It's the Ambiguously Blind Podcast with your host, a guy that's great up hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast experience. In this episode, we are going to hear from Steve Bate. Somewhat out of the blue, about 10 years ago, he received a seemingly devastating diagnosis of retinitis pigmentosa that derailed his professional career, but he was able to redefine his passion for outdoor adventure into cycling, where he has made quite a career for himself as a multi-time gold medalist in the Paralympics and three-time world champion in the world of cycling and several other random things that he does with his life now, including an honor bestowed upon him by the Queen of England and a huge bike riding adventure he's about to embark on. Hey, Steve, thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Hey, man, thanks very much for uh, reaching out and having this conversation. I appreciate it. I want to get into your randomness and all of your sporting events, especially the uh, cycling. But before we get too deep into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about your, your vision or your sight change story. You're, uh, you have retinitis pigmentosa. Tell me a little bit about that and your journey with that. Yeah. So, uh, I think, um, I think when I was about 27, I moved from London up to the North of Scotland to kind of focus on climbing. And, um, and I found, I start straight away. I started to find it really difficult in, in winters up there in the darkness, um, struggling to see things. And, uh, and, and I, I didn't really put it down to much, but I just, I kind of thought because I'd lived in a big city for so long, like everything is lit up, you know, like with street lights and things like that. So you're never really in, you know, in darkness in, uh, in a big city. Um, and all of a sudden I was out, you know, out in the mountains, out in the countryside and start to struggle a bit with the darkness. And I just thought my eyes had just, you know, not, you know, kind of got weak mm-hmm. with just being in street lights all the time. And, you know, so this went on for a, for a few years and, and even friends who I climbed with always found it interesting that I'd always like trip over that one stone that was in the middle of the path. You know, if we're walking out of a, out of a route, we just climbed or something. And, um, and I think they always thought I was, you know, doing it to be like this joker. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I just thought I was getting more and more clumsy and like, I couldn't see things. And, and the, the, the thing that actually, which, which helped me was a, uh, was just, I was working for an outdoor charity doing, you know, guiding, climbing and mountain biking and things like this. And we decided to have a, uh, have an eye check, uh, yearly as an annual thing as part of our health and safety for the, for the charity. Uh, yeah. So we decided to do that. So I, I went into just a routine eye check with an optometrist and, and could, you know, at that point I could still read the bottom line off the board and, you know, he said to me, I've, is, you know, is, your eyes are perfectly fine. And I said, well, I really struggle to see in the dark, if I'm honest. Um, hmm. And he sort of pre- pressed me on a few more questions. And then he put me on, a, on, the, on the famous visual field test, the uh, a test that people with retinitis pigmentosa hate um, because we're rubbish at it. Yeah. And that's where they look to side to side, your peripheral vision. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, it, it became pretty clear pretty quickly that um, something was something was wrong with uh, my peripheral vision. And, and then after, uh, you know, like after probably a month of, of a couple more tests with specialists, it was, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with, with RP and um, yeah, it was, to be honest, it was a, uh, it was a real shock. I didn't, I didn't really, um, I didn't know, you know, we still, we still don't know why I've got it. No one else in my family has it or, you know, has had it. Um, 
so yeah, it was just kind of it kind of came out the blue, and and at that point in my life, I was I was trying to uh, trying to become an alpine guide, so somebody who guides in the mountains, and and that that ended that dream pretty quickly, um, and and I kind of struggled to get my head around that. You know, that was everything that I wanted to be in my life, and uh, and all of a sudden, it, it um, you know that that was not going to happen, and I had to I had to find something else to uh, to replace that that dream, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a massive shock. I think the scary thing was, is they said the worst case scenario when I got diagnosed with that, I'll be blind in four years. And, and that just, you know, that, that just like terrified me um, at the time, you know, it was just like, wow, this is, this isn't meant to be happening. This isn't my life. And, um, yeah, it was, it was super overwhelming and kind of, you know, it almost put me into a depressive kind of state about who I was going to become and what I would be. And, you know, it's funny because looking back at it now, you know, it's like one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Um, and, you know, we'll probably dive into that a bit later in terms of what it's led on to for me. But, um, you know, it, it seems, you know, like I've, I've, I've been quoted and saying, you know, I'd, I'd rather be dead than not have my vision. And, you know, it seems seems really dramatic to, you know, looking back when I said that, you know, when, you know, when I got diagnosed in 2011. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of how I felt at the time. And, you know, as as it turns out, like I said, it, it's probably one of the one of the best gifts I've been given. Which you know, it's it's taken me ten years to get my head around that. But I tell you what, the um the outcome of this diagnosis and how it changed me as a person and motivated me to get out and achieve things is um has been unreal. You know, and uh, it's um it's been a blessing. Interesting. Okay, so it's been about ten years or so. I think you said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just over ten years. What has the kind of the progression of your vision been th- through those years? Yeah, so obviously it's a degenerative eye condition, so it's 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 going to get worse. Thankfully, I've outlasted the um, the four years worst case scenario diagnosis. But um, yeah, like I'm I'm super fortunate and, and really grateful that I can still you know I haven't lost that much more sight since when I was diagnosed. So I have I think I've got about a about a fifteen degree visual field. So it's still like super, you know, super limited and tight. But everything I can see in that is is still really good. Like my macular vision is still really good. Like I, I do wear glasses now, but that is really just to um, give my eyes a bit of a rest because they're obviously working working overtime, um, trying to you know generate all these all these things I'm seeing back to my brain. So I get quite uh, quite stressed out when I have to um, you know like ride in busy places or. You know, just riding my bike on my own is pretty stressful, but it's um, you know, while while I can do it, I've I've got to make the most of of you know every opportunity. So um, so yeah, so like I said, I'm super fortunate. It hasn't you know digressed that much since that diagnosis, which um, you know, like I I you know just every day I'm super grateful. For. Yeah, that seemed pretty grim the four year thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and I know people now who have got RP that, you know, like, yeah, within two years, they were, you know, walking with a cane and and, and have a dog. And, and, you know, I guess what we were classed as blind, they can they can still see shapes and maybe, you know, different and different lighting. But, you know, they're, they're, they're blind. And, you know, I mean, what, you know, and once upon a time, like I said, that terrified me, you know, like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. We're now, I've, I've kind of, you know, I know enough people who were blind or there or thereabouts and you know now i kind of think of it it's, you know it's it's kind of that that's going to happen to me at some point at some age which you know we're, we're not really sure but um 
yeah, now I kind of look at those. Hey, that's a that's a pretty exciting journey to go on. You know, imagine trying to do the stuff I do now without being able to see, and you know that that opens up a a whole a whole another a whole another life adventure that um you know is is waiting for me. And you can either look at that as a as a really negative thing, like I used to about going blind, or you know you can see it as a um you know you can reframe that into like a, a really exciting time ahead, and and that's how I tend to uh, that's how I tend to look at it these days it's like well if you know if it does happen i've had some great experiences since my you know since that original diagnosis and i can't you know like i i, I couldn't uh, i guess i couldn't have lived a better life i don't think and you know and, and then it'll be time to move into this new chapter of darkness and you know that'll 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 be a, a different chapter again and and pretty exciting, I'm sure, you know, as long as you're up for making the most of it. Yeah, it sounds like you are. That, that, and that's, I think that's the right way to do it. That's the great approach to take. So it, it should be yeah, should be quite yeah. an adventure. Yeah. Hey, it's the only approach, right? You know, like what's what's the other option to sit, sit on a couch and just be depressed all the time? It's like, it's not an option, is it? It's not a good option at all. So you're, you're yeah, right. Yeah. And, and you are no stranger to adventure. And I want to get into the, some of those adventures. You, so you mentioned alpine climbing. So you're you're into climbing. Yeah. So predominantly rock climbing really is now, well, is what you know is is what I've always done. Um, be, being an alpine guide was you know going to be a career, but I, I guess I always came into it from a from a rock climbing and and certainly like a Scottish winter climbing um, kind of that that's that was my you know that's that's my passion that's what that's what i you know certainly did did love doing um until cycling took over my life so uh yeah kind of you can't really call scottish winter climbing ice climbing like you get in the states you know where you get these amazing big pillars of ice and you know scottish climbing is a bit more gritty and you know the conditions are very very fixed and very you know kind of fickle and just a bit weird um you know sometimes you go and it can be you know, you can get frozen ice, you know, you might go to that same route the following week and it, you know, could not even be there because it's, you know, gone from minus two to six degrees and it's gone. So it's, um, it's kind of a real battle of attrition. I think Scottish winter climbing, it, it kind of, and you know, the mountains aren't big up there, you know, they're like 3000 feet. So they're not, they're not big monstrous mountains that are terrifying, but they've got their own charm and their own battle, um, in their own right. You know, they're, um, they're world-class in their own right, I think. You've done some climbing in the states, though, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've uh, I've been been lucky enough to visit uh, California and Yosemite. Um, it's a uh, probably one of my favorite places I've ever been in the world, to be honest. And and I say that I mean I always say when I when I do speaking gigs and things like that, it's like even even if you're not a climber or climbing does not interest you, um, you should definitely at some point in your life make your way to Yosemite to the valley because it's just yeah, it's a breathtaking, beautiful spot, and it's you know that's just so, so overwhelmingly beautiful. I can see why John Muir, you know, that was the original national park, and I I can see why you know when he when he strolled into that all those years ago and saw that. I mean, he had a, you know, he was ahead of his time. I think we have to protect this for everyone, you know, and I'm I'm super grateful he did because I've experienced it firsthand, and it's um it's breathtaking. Yeah. Now, where are you? I'm I'm speaking with you at what? Where are you now? Yeah, so I'm 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 based in England, uh, in in Yorkshire, uh, which is kind of middle of the way up up England, I guess, just north of Manchester. So okay. uh, yeah, that's where I uh, that's that's where I've been based for the last kind of eight years. 
And you've got a, enough of an accent to tell me that you're not, you weren't born in the United States. <laughs> no, nah, mate, no. Nah. So I was originally born in New Zealand. So uh, okay, yeah. I, uh, I, I left New Zealand, I think, when I was 23, I think, uh, to actually could just come and see my brother who was in London at the time for a, for a bit of a holiday for six weeks. And I had such a good time while, uh, you know, I was here. I just, I, ne- I never went back. Um, so I, so I ended up staying here and yeah, like 20, 22 years or something. I've been here now. So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy really. So a guy from New Zealand and living in England now has been to Yosemite and I'm in, I'm in Texas in America and I have I've not <laughs> even really been close to Yosemite probably. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I've been to California, but I haven't been to Yosemite. So, um, yeah, definitely a place I, I want to go. It's it really is a a great spot. Yeah, it's um it's amazing. It it it's, it blows my mind the amount of Americans that I speak to that are like, oh wow, yeah, I'd love to go to Yosemite. It'd be amazing. And it's like, man, you've never been. Like people from <laughs> San Francisco, it's four hours away. You yeah. know, it's like wow. But but you know, I get that. You know, like you guys are so lucky in the states. Like you guys have got like everything on tap right there haven't you you know you've got amazing seas amazing lakes you know incredible mountain ranges it's just like it's all there man you guys are so fortunate bloody americans you know, just don't know what we <laughs> have don't know how good we have it yeah yeah but that's it's all good man i love i love it out there i love it out there it's um yeah such a cool place let's talk a little bit about cycling or biking i don't know how you want to phrase that mm. but you are um you are quite the quite the writer when did when did yeah. cycling start for you? Um, I guess like all of us, man. You know, like as a kid, I always, uh, you know, it's it's your, it's, I guess it's your first link of transport, isn't it? When you're a kid, like that's yeah, how you get to your is. mates' houses and stuff. And and I guess when um, when most people get their driver's license and things like that, you know, they they kind of the, the bike gets shoved in the garage, and and you know, for many people, they never go back to it because the car replaces that. But um, I, I guess for me, I've always I've always ridden. Um, because I've not always been able to afford a car or I've been in a situation where I haven't, you know, just haven't had a car for whatever reason, you know, would have been traveling or whatever. So, um, and yeah, and, and, and when I was, you know, when I worked in the outdoors, it was a natural thing to, you know, to guide on my mountain bike and stuff. And um, so I've, I've always, I've always loved riding. Um, but I guess the racing for me didn't really start um until i got this eye diagnosis and and that qualified me to race on the back of a tandem you know and and try and qualify myself to to get to a paralympic games so i guess it wasn't until like i was 36 where i really like that that became my life all of a sudden you know climbing climbing got dropped and uh yeah was invested you know i invested in, in everything to uh you know to become a professional cyclist and um and try and make it make it to the uh, to the Rio Paralympics in 2016. Okay, so did you make it to Rio in 16? Yeah, mate. Yeah, so t- two and a half years. My 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 pilot and good friend Adam Dougalby, um, we we got selected and went out there and had a had a blast. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And then you were also in the uh, was the next games Tokyo. Yeah, which yeah. was so supposed just, to be 20, but it got moved to 21 because of COVID. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we've just, uh, we were back from that. Well, it's probably about three, yeah, just over three months ago now. So God, seems like, seems like yesterday, but time's flowing, eh? And you found some success there at the Tokyo Games, didn't you? Yeah. So we won our, we won our fourth, um, we won our fourth Paralympic medal. Uh, we won a silver medal this time. Uh, so it was great because it completed the, uh, the set from, from Rio because we won two golds and a bronze in, in Rio. 
Um, so it's nice to have the the complete. Got all three of them now, huh? Yeah. Gold, silver, bronze. So that that's pretty special. Um, yeah, it was you know it was it was it was great because it was it was we had some great success and we probably had our our, our biggest a big I, I don't want to say failure but um, yeah so we crashed in our main event this time around so we had to uh, we had a bit of a hard time out there um, having to come to terms we went into uh, went into the time trial as the favourites we're current world champions and we were we we were, we were current Paralympic champions so. I guess all eyes were on us, and unfortunately, we um, we crashed in the first lap and couldn't finish the race, which was um, pretty devastating, mm. as you can imagine. Sure, um, tr- training five years for for that one event and it doesn't go your way is pretty hard to swallow. And then, unfortunately, two days later, we had the road race, and uh, the injuries that I'd sustained in the crash kind of ruled us out of the road race as well. So, so yeah, the kind of Paralympics for us started well with our three events, winning a silver medal, and then ended in a. It did. It did not finish, and it did not start. Which, um, yeah, is isn't isn't ideal. But that's all part of racing, I guess. Yeah, racing will will do that. Things happen. What about the relationship with you and your tandem mate? Yeah, with Adam. So we've we've been riding together now for for probably well since since I really started. We were paired together in 2014. So um, yeah, probably seven years we've we've spent riding the bike together. And um, I, I just got off the phone with him earlier today. Actually, I hadn't spoke to him for a couple of weeks. He's been out in Mallorca on on his bike training. Um, so I just called him to catch up with him. So yeah, I mean we've we've got a great relationship. You know, I'm really fortunate. He's um, he's an incredible bike rider, and and I certainly um, you know there's there's no way I would have achieved what I have in cycling without without him being on that bike with me. Um, you know, he's one of the uh, one of the best tandem pilots in the world, and and you know, and, and, and a great guy. And you know, we've um, we're, we've been very fortunate to get get through the seven years with with without ever really falling out or having a row. And you know, we've um, we've always kind of tried to um, you know try to be the best we could be, and and appreciate even if someone's having a bad day. You know, they're still they're still trying their hardest. And and yeah, so uh, yeah, it's uh, he's he's a great guy. A lot has to go into the relationship between the two of you, uh, obviously off the bike, but definitely on the bike too. So talk to me about the training or, you know, how you guys get in sync to, to perform at such a high level. Does that take a lot of training? Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a full-time job. You know, um, we, you know, we spend these days, it's very different to how, how it was at the start. So at the start, we used to ride the tandem a lot and train on the tandem. Um, together to get that like you say that synchronicity that understanding of how each other rides and you know the reactions of what what people are going to you know what we you know what we're going to do in cornering and accelerating and sprinting and all those sorts of things um whereas now we we, we probably spend about 80 percent of the time training on our own because you know when we get on a bike together uh you know we're so used to riding with each other like i know when adam's going to stand up out the saddle he doesn't have to say when he's going to sprint for the line you know when we're sprinting for a for a wind and you know it's so um we're so dialed with each other that um you know actually we don't we don't really need to speak that much on the bike when we're riding together so the training kind of thing we you know we've got our own strengths and our own weaknesses which we need to we need to work on and sometimes when you ride the tandem that much you don't get to you know, that individual doesn't get to work on their particular weaknesses, you know, maybe as much as they'd like to. So, you know, these days we probably spend, like I say, about 80% training on our own and then, um, you know, come together for, you know, before races and just sharpen up again on, on you know, those kind of tactics of, of how we ride together. And yeah, so um, 
so it's, it's it's pretty good. Like we live we live about an hour apart, I guess, um, via train journey. So we're you know we're not we're not super close together, um, but uh, yeah, you know we still we still talk and catch up regularly and and you know keep in touch with where uh, where each other are at. And um, you know it's been interesting because after the games, I had uh, I came back and had surgery on my hip, so I've not I've not really been training for the last three months and. Um, I've, I've met up with Adam for a couple of times, you know, and had a beer and a burger with him and stuff just to uh, touch base with him and, you know, see how he's going. And, you know, obviously it was a pretty disappointing time for us at the games and just kind of making sure he's, you know, he's okay with it, what happened. And, you know, he, I think, I think he takes, you know, takes a bit of responsibility after that crash, just because, you know, he's, he's the guy who's in control of the bike. I'm just there to provide it the, the horsepower. Um, so I think he, um, he felt pretty responsible. Um, but, you know, like I said to him, hey, man, it's just, that's just how it is, eh? That's just racing. So, so that's all good. But, yeah. The the relationship between the, uh, so on a tandem bike, uh, for those that don't don't know very well, the uh, the, the, the person on the front is the uh, known as the pilot, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just a, a good description yeah. because they're, they're the one essentially steering and, and seeing where the where the bike is going. And yep. you are on the back of the bike, and as you said, you're you're the muscle, basically, right? Yeah, well, cer- certainly part of it, mate. I can't take all the credit for powering the bike because Adam's Adam's a bit of a weapon. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of it's we're very much equal in that respect now. It certainly wasn't that way at the start, as you can imagine. He was a lot better than I was, but you know now we're um, yeah, it's and again part of my progression is just riding with him, and and you know he's. Um, He's, he's, he's got an incredibly high standard of what, of what he expects of himself. And I guess that kind of rubs off on me as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's normal for athletes. So it, it sounds pretty, sounds like you guys are a pretty good duo. You've got the, uh, two golds, a silver and a bronze, um, in, yeah, in yeah, Paralympic yeah. games. So I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. 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 We've got some, Oh, it's crazy. Like the, the, the amount of things we've won and, you know, like we've got three world titles We've I think we've got six, world medals world championship medals three of those are gold um probably over 10 world cup medals you know a handful of those are gold it's yeah it's 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 kind of it's funny as an athlete mate you never you know you're always always on to the next thing you never really stop and reflect about what you've achieved in your in your career and you know because you because you're always thinking about what's the next race and it's it's pretty funny i think and certainly certainly i've noticed with the british they're like they they don't they're not good at celebrating their success, you know, and and part of that is because it's it's, it's still you know winning stuff's still quite new to them, um, <laughs> you know, which is you know they'll probably kill me for saying that, but you know that's in, in history. Like you look at the you know you certainly look at the Olympics, and it's only the last you know kind of three or four cycles where you know Great Britain have been up there on the medal table and stuff with the likes of America and China and the big nations. So. Um, yeah, they're still coming to terms with being successful. So they don't, they're not, you know, like, you know, when you guys American, you, you American guys, when you know, it's a high fives and there's back slaps and, you know, you're stoked on it and that's how it should be. And, you know, the the Brits are still like, you know, a, a couple of handshakes and a pat on the back, like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, well done, well done. You know, it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's pretty funny, but, you know, I guess I, I'm in that culture of, you know, you just don't, um, yeah. But I think all, I think all athletes are like that. You know, I don't, I don't think, you know, maybe, maybe it's, you know, when you retire or you have a big injury or something that, you know, you kind of sit down and think, well, Hey, this is, this has gone pretty well. <laughs> you know, this is, um, yeah, you, you, know, re- you reflect uh, later in life on the, on the athletic yeah, endeavors. I, I sure. think so, mate. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What is next for you, Adam? Is there some more, more races in your future? 
Yeah, so um, so I think I think actually, like, I was, part of the reason for Bonnie Adams today was part, so I'm I'm moving away from racing the three disciplines that we ride together. So we ride on the track on the vel- on the velodrome, um, and we also ride on the road, which is the time trial and the in the road race. And I've I've taken the taken the kind of decision for for probably longevity in my career just to focus on the track now. There's a lot less racing throughout the year, so the toll on my body. And I'm 44 now. The toll on my body is um, is, is becoming a, a bit much, um, and I guess I, I guess having surgery on my hip kind of highlights that. So, you know, when you look at some of the some of the great players in, in sport, and I think tennis are, are big leaders in that. You know, you look at the Federers and um, the Williams sisters and stuff, and you know, if you if you want to prolong your career, you, you don't have to play every single tournament. You know, you, they're at the at the place where I guess they can pick and choose which they the ones they enjoy the most and which which they want to do and. I guess I'm very fortunate in my career now. I'm probably at that similar place where actually I can I can kind of pick and choose what events I want to do because you know to, for me you know Paris the games in Paris is three years away and although three years you know probably you know for for yourself and all those parents out there it's like time flies doesn't it three years is not much but you know when you're um, when you're training day in day out it's uh, you know it, it takes its toll on your body over a long period of time and. I think now I, I, I definitely realise there's you know need a bit of downtime and I can't um, if you know if I want to make Paris I think you know racing for kind of nine months of the year probably isn't isn't that um, practical to to do that so um, yeah so I think I think that'll that'll probably be the end of the of the partnership between myself and Adam he's going to carry it on the road that's where he is at his at his best um, for sure you know he's he's, um, he's a fantastic time trial and road racer and. And uh, yeah, so I think there'll um, there's going to be a bit of a change next year in terms of that, and I'll no doubt be paired with a with a new with a new pilot, and he'll and he'll have a new stoker, which um you know which which will be which will be interesting, you know, to see how he progresses and and carries on his his you know kind of elite career and and what happens to me really. So yeah, it's exciting times. And when you're not in the grind of training and doing those things, you you do have the, at least the nickname I've seen of of Mister Random. So you've you've done some whittling and some things with wood what what else do you like to do when you're not riding yeah so i just um i i really like learning stuff you know i like learning new skills and 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 certainly practical skills like i'm very much um very much a practical dude um you know i I never really was that that good when i was at school sat in front of a textbook um as you know i I joke saying that but I'm, i'm trying to write an autobiography at the moment and you know basically i've I just started whittling because I got <laughs> I got bored of writing, so I needed something to, to yeah. take my take take my mind off writing. Yeah, yeah, writing a very long, probably very dull book. Um, <laughs> I can relate to that. So, I'm I'm trying to do the same thing myself uh, as far as writing oh, the book right goes. On. So, <laughs> yeah, I can I can relate yeah, to yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, but like you know, I've just today a, a, a red red um, a company red um, stand up paddle boards have just sent me a uh, sent me a, a paddle stand up paddle board to. So I, I emailed them about a couple of months ago, asking them about uh, you know planning a, this mad adventure with a paddleboard, and just sort of emailed them asking about some you know some techie questions about the boards because I've never I've never stood on a on a stand up paddleboard before, and just to say oh yeah I'm planning this adventure and and you know and this 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 board which they very generously loaned me's turned up today, um you know so I'm I'm kind of like oh stoked on that and you know whereas. In January, I'm about to jump on the fat bike and go and ride uh, what's called the Badger Divide, which is from in the north of Scotland, from Inverness to Glasgow, like a 200 mile route in winter, 
which God knows what the weather's going to throw at us in that. Um, yeah, the 200 miles? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, not not in, not in one go. Um, we're, we're not not yet at least anyway um so this is this is a, a route that i'm trying to uh trying to get the fastest snow and time on but in summer so on my bikes i think the guy who's got the record got it this year with uh, 19 hours so uh so i'd like to go and try and uh, try and break that record in summer but this is just a bit of a bit of a have a scope out the terrain and ha- have a bit of a look because um it's funny, you know, like I, I get asked this, like, so there's a, a quite a big paper in, in the UK called The Guardian, one of the big newspapers. And they they wrote a piece on me just after Rio. And and the headline, which I always find really funny, read, you know, big, bold letters, um, whatever bait puts his mind to, he tends to make a success of it. And and, and I, I just thought that was really funny. And I get ribbed by a lot of mates um, about about that headline still. About, yeah, about your buddies give you a hard time about everything. that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I get absolutely caned for it, um, which, which is you know <laughs> like you know that I deservedly I think as well. But you know like I I fail at stuff loads more than I ever succeed at. You know like that that's a given. Like I've I've made failure a massive part of like a very positive experience of my life. Um, but I've found the the key to like success of, of everyone thinking that you know some like sort of like superhero guys. It's just to um, is to win the right, to, you know, like win the right races when all the media are there, because um, because they never see the amount of work, you know, no one ever sees the amount of work an athlete puts in, the amount of times they fail. Um, all they do is you, you know, you turn up at like the Olympics or Paralympics and you win a gold medal and everyone thinks that you know your life's just this kind of, you know, this this incredible journey of all these successes one after the other, and I think. Um, I, th- I think, you know, what I really love doing is like learning new things and, and understanding that, you know, you're going to fail at stuff to get better. Like, you know, when I started whittling wood with a knife, I had so many cuts in my hand that, uh, you know, it was like crazy, um, you know, but now I can I can whittle a piece for three hours and, and, and not cut myself, you know, which is uh, that's a bonus in itself. But, yeah, so it's kind of um, like I, I like doing random stuff because it takes you back to that learning phase. And and I've always I've always been fascinated since I was a teenager about what I can do with my body, because I because I think you know like our body is the most amazing asset that we'll ever own or ever have. It's the coolest Absolutely. thing we're ever ever going to get given. Yeah, and you know and, and it's amazing what you can train or teach your body to do, whether it's mentally or physically. You know, it does it like that. That you know, I I tend to lean to the physical side of things more than the mental, but um, you know, and and I just think. So many people underestimate, you know, what their body is capable of and what they can actually do with it. And I, and I, and that's the thing I'm just always fascinated about, you know, learning new stuff and seeing what I can I can do with, you know, with my body. And and uh, yeah, so that that's part of part of the journey of the random things that I, that I get up to. I think. Well, that's good. It keeps things interesting, right? So I've I've also heard you say something about chainsaws. Yeah. So just like only in the last three months, like I've got. I've got hold of a chainsaw and started like messing around with like chainsaw carving and uh, chainsaw you know, like, carving. Okay. Yeah. So trying to carve figures out of tree stumps with a chainsaw. Um, yeah. What kind of figures are you are you carving? Oh, like bears and you know, like ticky faces and you know, like hey man, you like you wouldn't recognize any of them. Like I'm rubbish <laughs> at it. Okay. But, but but you know, like again, it's just like it's that it's that learning thing. You know, and I, I you know you can. I look at people who, you know, this is their job, you know, the chainsaw carvers, that's what they do. And, 
they're they're amazing. You know, what people can do with a chainsaw are amazing. And I think, wow, if I could get half as good as they can, that'd be cool, you know. But I know, I know for a fact, like in, you know, probably six months, something else will, you know, some will come around and the stand-up paddleboard will be there. I'll be itching to get out on that. And, you know, and that and that'll be the focus, you know, in between in between the training for for riding and and stuff. So um yeah, like I think I think once I get I guess I guess once I get kind of proficient at a skill, it kind of bores me. I want I want to do I want to do something else and and learn you know learn something else. So yeah, keep evolving. A, a little a little bit ago, you mentioned uh, about getting on the fat bike. What's the fat bike? Oh yeah, so like <laughs> my fat bike's like you know those bikes that are designed to ride in the snow. So they got the real fat tires. So it's like a, like a five inch tire on them. Um, and, and, and out in the States, like, the you know, you guys get great winters, certainly up in the north. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these bikes, are, you know, just become a stable for people getting around and having adventures. And instead of cross-country skiing, um, you know, they're riding fat bikes on cut trails and stuff like that. It's really cool. It's a really cool scene. So they're wide tires, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like a mountain bike with super fat tires. I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, as soon as I saw one of those bikes, I was just like, I fell in love with it. I was like, oh, that looks like so much fun. And still, you know, I've been riding them for, I don't know, you know, five, six, I don't know, seven years now, whatever. But it's, um, you know, the trend of the fashion of them is kind of past now. You know, there's not many companies make them anymore because no one really buys them. Um, but it's a really kind of like, it's quite a hardcore scene. Um, but I, yeah, it's just like, it's by far the the bike that, you know, if you want to put a smile and go for a ride and put a smile on your face, like ride a fat bike. Take a fat bike out. Okay, cool. Yeah, so how man. many bikes do you think you have? Uh, so I am like super lucky to be sponsored as a rider um, by a company here in, in the UK called Lion Equipment who, who imports Salsa Cycles, who are an American company who are, who are super cool. Um, their tagline's adventure by bike. So their bikes have, you know, since they launched have been right up my right up my street. So so I think I've got like four of their bikes. Um, which is like, yeah, amazing. Like I remember looking at Salsa bikes like ten years ago and just thinking like, Wow, I'd I'd love to own one of those bikes. That are so cool. And, you know, I sit here to you today and I'm I'm kind of sponsored by them, which is um this kind of blows my mind. You know, it's just outrageous and you know, every every time I go downstairs to my garage and flip the light on, or they're hanging on the wall, I just can't. You know, it's like I've almost got to pinch myself thinking, "Oh, yeah, how kind awesome. of fortunate I am." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and there's there's, you know, I'm I'm lucky to be. So what's so like 45 North or uh, another American company who who do fat bike specific stuff. So their their whole bags winter riding, and you know, this year they've they've come on board and sponsored me and stuff as well. And it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm super. Yeah, just super fortunate that people, you know, these companies believe in what I do and in in my lifestyle that I like to live and the and the stuff that I get up to that they, you know, they want to they want to send me some uh, send me some stuff to um yeah know, be, to a, use be a part of that things. journey and and make it easier yeah and, yeah and uh, you are definitely equipped for all kinds of adventures and there's a yeah, uh, kind of a big one coming up for you I can't tell when it is but you're gonna ride across Africa. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the plan. So Cairo to Cape Town is the um is the mission. So from the north of Africa down right down to the south in, in Cape Town. Um so originally um I did hope to go in, in January next year, uh sorry, February next year. Um but the whole COVID thing is is kind of put a put a, put a bit of a stop to that. Um crossing borders. So it's riding Cairo to Cape Town, you you know, you ride through eight countries, so you're crossing seven borders. So um the whole COVID thing 
Um, I don't want to dwell on it too much because it's pretty depressing for everyone. Um, it's kind of made crossing borders really hard. And for me, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to go for the Guinness World Record of how fast you can ride your bike down Africa, which is held by a good mate of mine, Bar- Mark Beaumont, who's also also just happens to be the, the fastest man to circumnavigate the world on his push bike, which was like 78 days or something outrageous for 18,000 miles. So um, Circumnavigate the globe in, in how long? 78 days. His wow. record is on a bike. Yeah, yeah, on a bike. Yeah, yeah. So he rode to put some to put some context on that. He averaged two hundred and forty miles a day for seventy eight days. Yeah, wow. like he's a he, he he's an incredible guy. Like there's no doubt about it. And he's he's also has the Cairo to Cape Town record, which he set in twenty fifteen as a bit of a prep to um, going after the world. So he's held the round the world record twice. Um, yeah, he's he's kind. Of, I guess he's responsible for bringing that kind of cycling around the world record, like in, back into kind of fashion. Um, but yeah, he's he set a phenomenal time. That's going to take some beating, that's for sure. So is the is the Cairo to Cape Town is that an annual event or is is that is that an organized event or is that something you do on your own or with other people? No, no. So it's just uh, yeah. So it's just something you do on your own. Like I think there's 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 a couple of companies that you can go with who you know kind of take you down you know, kind of guide you down Africa over, you know, kind of like four months or something. But um, yeah, my, my goal is to, so March record down uh, Corridor Cape Town is, is for, uh, just over 40 days, uh, 40, 41 days, 42 days, something like that. Um, and I, I basically want to take his same approach about how he rode around the world um, so quickly and take that to Africa. So so my plan is to try and get down Africa in, in 25 days. So that's six and a half thousand miles in 25 days. Six and a half thousand miles in twenty-eight days. Twenty-five, yeah. Twenty-five by days. Bike. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that's on a that's on a solo bike with you, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you you have enough vision, you know, which I can relate to, to be just dangerous enough to ride the bike uh, by yourself, <laughs> and then don't and people don't understand exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is the guy blind, or can he see, or what does he see? But. Here he's yeah. going to ride 20 or 6,500 miles on a bike across Africa through eight countries. Uh, now, I say by yourself. I imagine you have a team of people or some other people that assist you in that um, yeah, along so, the way. So but but you're, the one, you're the one doing the work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, um, you know, like, uh, I guess being a part of a, uh, like, a Paralympic team in, in British cycling, you, I understand the value and how important it is to have a team around you for success. And, you know, by, by no means, if, um, if, if the team go out there and, and, and we manage to get this record, it, it'll, it'll by no means just be me, you know, it's, um, and like those Paralympic medals were, um, and a lot of the other adventurous stuff that I've done, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, often it's one guy who gets the glory and it's a whole host of people that, uh, you know, stood in his corner or, or her corner. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm currently, you know, look, looking at who that team is and how well we work together. Um, cause obviously, you know, uh, 25 days on the road, 16 hours a day on the bike, you know, probably, you know, you're probably up 18 hours a day, you know, with, with the, and, and a very sm- a small confined space in a van following me is, is going to be, you know, challenging for the best of friends. Um, How do you so, train for that? I mean, what is the training regimen for that type of ride? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working through that at the moment, but you know, I think surprisingly it's not, it's not an awful lot. 
you know, obviously it's a lot of a lot of riding, but obviously you can't just go and ride six hours a day, you know, back to back to back. That's not, you know, and so certainly not here in Yorkshire where I'm from. You'll get soaked and probably end up dying with hypothermia. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think I think the 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 kind of muscle strength in terms of my legs, like I'm I'm pretty confident that I could um, that I can ride it. Um, that's fine. It's it's the other things, you know. It's like your contact points, like your saddle, your hands, your feet. Um, your neck, your shoulders, your lower back of, you know, being in that position for such a prolonged period day after day after day. I think you need to make those those bits of your body, you know, bomb proof and resilient to being able to take an absolute beating. So I think a lot of, you know, probably if if not more than half of the training will be probably in, in the gym, just getting, you know, just building that strength to get uh, to get, you know, be really resilient. So you can tolerate, you know, your lower back can tolerate being you know, sat on a bike for 16 hours a day. And if you make the 25 days, that would be the Guinness record. Is that right? Yeah, almost by half. So I did, I did joke with Mark, Mark that I'd love to half his record. And he just looked at me and laughed. He said, yeah, you're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then <laughs> which, I guess, yeah. the, go ahead. No, I did, you know, which was, um, you know, God, to, to, to do that would be, would be an incredible feat. And I think you, you'd have to have a perfect run and be an incredible athlete. And, and I think, the the two of those uh, in 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 my attempt aren't aren't going to go together. You know, it's just it's such a massive adventure. There's so many unknowns. You you just you know it's just not going to be perfect. Yeah, and, I mean even weather and and those kind of conditions that you have uh, no yeah, control over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you have you have to go into it knowing that it's you know it's not going to be a perfect ride, and that and that's okay. That's all part of the adventure. Um, but yeah, I think I, th- I think if it was to be like that perfect storm, then you know I I, I think that's possibly achievable but maybe not by me you know it'd have to be someone better than me you know maybe someone who's got a full visual field <laughs> yeah that would help that certainly would yeah, help yeah, now a- now absolutely. so if if you do beat mark's record um i imagine that just gives fuel to the fire for him to get back out there and and do that again though too probably though right yeah i'm, I'm not sure he'll like i'm not sure he'll, i don't think he'll ever go back to africa for that record like he's not um he, he's a couple of years younger than me uh he's got a young family and i think the you know, the time he spent away on many expeditions over the years is, you know, like he, he kind of managed when he didn't have children. And I think now, you know, he's a, um, he's a, he's a devoted dad. And I think, you know, those, those big expeditions were taken away from home for months at a time. He's, he's not too willing to go after anymore. And, and I think in terms of Mark, like, man, he, you know, he's, he's got nothing to prove to anyone on the bike when it comes to endurance. Like he is the, he's the master, you know, he's the grandmaster of that sort of thing. So, you know, I think, uh, he'll he'll no doubt continue to ride his bike and push his boundaries and do and do you know kind of stuff more you know more local to home but um yeah he he's, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to impress anyone anymore mate it's he's i guess he's at that point where he can sit back and fold his arms and rock on a chair and just go yeah you know have that moment of looking back and just thinking christ what i've achieved is pretty pretty remarkable you know so um yeah, I'm not sure, but you never know, you know. Mark said he'd never ride around the world after he did it the first time, and then you know, he, he blasted back around it again in, in, a, in a phenomenal fashion. So um, he's definitely said he won't ride a, a third time, but, you know, it's Mark, so who knows. And you never know with athletes, too. I mean, we may find uh, Steve Bate riding across the world uh, at some time. So, and, and there'll be pictures and things of that on, 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 the, on the web and Instagram and all kinds of places, which is where I bumped into you. Uh, on Instagram, I think mostly, and your your handle there is uh, Steve Bate MBE. Is there what's going on with the MBE part of the, of your handle there? <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, it's, it reads as Steve Batembi, which um, was kind of, again, a, like it's a, it's a running joke when people realize this. But yeah, so the MBE part of that is actually a, uh, it's a very, um, very prestigious award that I was given to by the, the, the Queen of, 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 um, of, Europe, uh, of Europe, of Europe, um, of the UK. Um, and it's basically for us, they give it out uh, to um, people who have, kind of gone over and above in their industry their you know the service to their industry so the mbe stands for um the member of the british empire and it's um yeah so it's given out to military people and business people and stuff people who have excelled in their in their industry and and it's kind of a recognition of um you know the the success that they've brought on the nation um i suppose so it's 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 pretty cool you know like um I was actually in the middle of Patagonia when I found out that I was going to get it, which was pretty funny because I had to set, I got sent a letter and it was actually a, uh, a friend. My mother was at a friend's house who was also at the games um, and her mother said, oh, my son's got an MBE. You know, Steve will have one as well, but you need to reply by this date. So my poor mum freaked out thinking I was going to miss out on this MBE because I was in the middle of Patagonia and not, <laughs> and not at home in England. But uh, yeah, so I, to be honest, I almost turned it down because um, you know, just like it's such an amazing thing to have, but you know, I just, I just did my job. You know, like my job is to ride a bike really fast, and and if that goes well, then you know you win a medal, and that's all that really happens. So, at at first, I just thought, well, I, I didn't really feeling feel that deserving of it. But at, you know, as I as I spoke to people about it, they you know they rightly pointed out it's like you'll you'll never know how many people you've um, you've inspired to take up cycling or do whatever, you know, off the back of your success. So I guess that's, uh, that's why I accepted it. Yeah. I would agree with that sentiment. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, kind of a cool thing to, um, to never know, you know, to never know how, um, you know, if I, if I've, if I've inspired anyone and so it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, Steve. Well, uh, Instagram is a good place to find you and stay up to date on what your adventures and, and your carvings and your chainsaws and, and your bikes and your fat bikes and all those types of things. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we'll have a link to that in the show notes uh, and on, on the podcast website at ambiguouslyblind.com. But uh, where are the other places that uh, people can find you? Uh, I guess that, yeah, certainly Instagram is the one I'm most active on. Um, like I'm not really on Twitter or any other social, social media handle. But my website is there. That's uh, stevebaitmbe.com. You can jump on that and, you know, there's some pictures and some info on that as well. Um, so some of, you know, like um, like I said, I'm very grateful to be sponsored by some of the um, some of these sponsors. So like Terravale, 45 North, um, Lion, these guys, um, you know, I, I, you kind of see me pop up on their website under their sponsored athletes pages as well. Yeah, shout out to Ali Brown Watches who also support me, a, a really cool little um, little business down and watch who make really cool watches in um, the south of England. So, yeah, like to everyone who sponsored me, like I said earlier, like I'm just so, so grateful that people, you know, kind of think what I do is worthy of, um, you know, worthy of shouting about and, and stuff. You know, I just, um, I guess I'm just, a, you know, I see myself as just a normal guy. And it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to have people kind of recognize the fact what you do is, you know, valued by other people so you know and like like yourself man thanks for reaching out and having this conversation i, I really appreciate it hey you're welcome it really is good to connect and i i can't wait to see how things go you're you're not an ordinary guy uh as much as you might think because ordinary guys don't ride from uh cape town or from uh, cairo to cape town 
in, um, well, really at all. And, and, and certainly in, in 40 <laughs> days or less or something. So it's uh, really great to connect yeah. and I'm looking forward to watching you. So thanks a bunch. Right on, man. Take care. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe and connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.